So I don't know if you've seen this, but some guy lost 8,000 Bitcoin. Okay, 8,000 Bitcoin is worth $200 million. What is it about saying good morning that makes everyone go crazy? Like, what? I don't get that. I'm going to tell you why good mornings in the Twitter space work so good. Is because all the guys that are on Twitter in the morning have no other person to talk to besides... So seeing good morning goes a long way. But keep in mind, right? There was trillions of dollars printed to give like wages to people weekly that were unemployed. Like I have friends right now that quit their job to get unemployment. They're paying out $900 a week to sit at home. So what do you think those people that are getting paid $900 a week gonna do? All right, what's going on you crypto freaks? Uh, welcome back to another episode. Also, we've been getting a lot of comments, or not a lot, a few smart asses here saying, uh, you guys just talk about crypto and NFTs to sell us something. If you haven't noticed, we are not selling a single damn thing. Maybe I show some NFTs here and there, but I truly like these NFTs of these coins. So again, guys, I'm not looking to make any money from you guys, at least not yet, right? Something's got to pay the bills though. So in the meantime, make sure you guys check out our free newsletter that we send out every single day, Monday through Friday. It's a quick 1000 word newsletter where you can read in three to five minutes and learn something instead of just hugging your pillow every morning. So you can go ahead and do that. And then we're also on Spotify. So Parisa was surprised last night. We're on Spotify. So you don't have to just uh, look at us. You can actually go ahead and tune into us while you're driving, working out, whatever you're doing. So make sure you check out the links below. But besides that, let's dive into it. I got a I got an interesting story for you. Ready for this? All right. Talk to me. Tell me. Okay, so I don't know if you've seen this, but some guy lost 8,000 Bitcoin. Okay, 8,000 <laughs> Bitcoin is worth $200 million. And some guy from London called, or not London, but the UK called James Howes. Okay, so he ended up having a hard drive that he had 8,000 Bitcoin on back in 2013. Okay, interesting enough, in 2013, Bitcoin was like rat poison, right? It was like probably 50 bucks. Nobody cared about it and people were selling it for drugs, coins, and whatever the hell they wanted to use it for. Now this guy, fast forward, what, 10 years later, he's like, wait, that hard drive is worth $200 million almost, right, at today's price. And he's like, I got to figure it out a way to find these uh, Bitcoins and the hard drive. So he came up with this crazy idea where he's pretty much going to go ahead and raise $11 million through VCs and angel investors to dig up the landfill that he thinks holds that hard drive. And on top of that, he wants to hire people, bring in robots and AI to pretty much try to bring this needle out of a haystack that has $200 million. I'm reading this story and I'm like, okay, and what happens if you don't? $11 million are gone to waste. All that time's gone to waste. And then what do you do now? So what are your thoughts? All right. Well, here's the thing. The lesson we need to learn from this as people in crypto. First, good for him for having a hard drive. Let's not knock him for that. Like most people are leaving their coins on exchanges. Don't fucking do that, first of all. But also don't lose your fucking hard drive. You have a responsibility as a crypto investor to take responsibly over your coins. So I have this little hard drive. It's called Bitbox. It's super easy to use. I threw it on this little chain that I made so I don't lose it. You literally just download an app 
and it gives you instructions on how to back up your coins. That's it, you guys. Like, you don't lose your laptop. You don't lose your phone. Why would you lose this? Just put it somewhere that's safe, secure, and you'll be good. And you don't have to worry about fucking Coinbase getting probed by the SEC. I do like that. Keep in mind this. I don't think he lost it. I think he threw it away thinking it's worthless. But now he's Oh, is that what it is? That's probably the worst lesson of his life. Also, shout out to Bitbox. They're not paying us to do this. They actually sent us uh, their hardware wallets to try out and uh, i'm a big fan so you guys check it out bitbox we'll leave the link below uh super easy to use really nice user design and interface i use it personally so i definitely recommend checking it out did you see how <laughs> i know we tweeted about this oh. did you see how the 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 definition of the word recession was changed all right, we're going to have a disagreement here, and that's fine, okay? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chop it up. As someone who majored in international relations, this isn't surprising to me. And I don't think we should conspir- like create some conspiracy theory that they've changed the definition of a recession. That's not how I view it. I know that is how you view it, but let's talk about it. So first, let's talk about what is a recession, You are referring to a recession as if it is an exact science. I think that's a little bit misleading because that's not true. There's a technical definition of a recession. The technical definition is two uh, down quarters of GDP, and GDP is uh, gross domestic product. So two consecutive down quarters, that means six months of GDP decline. That's the technical definition. But let me draw a parallel for you. Technical definition of a democracy. What is it? Just means that people vote. They have a vote in our politics. They have a voice in our politics. People in Iran can vote. Is it a democracy? No, it's not. It's a dictatorship, but you have the illusion of voting. So I think dumbing a recession down to just the technical definition is a disservice to your intelligence as an American citizen. So let's talk about how recessions are actually measured. Um, So let me just pull up my notes here. So in addition to GDP, there are four other uh, characteristics that we look at when measuring a depression. And this is the National Bureau of Economic Research that does this. So they look at income, they look at employment, they look at manufacturing, and they look at retail. What the White House is doing right now is they're saying, well, employment is at 3.6% right now. That is an all-time low for the last two years. Since February 2020, Employment has not been this low. So they're pointing at this valid characteristic of an economy, which is employment, and they're saying it's not at an all-time high, It's employment is not suffering, so we need to take this into account. Another thing, why is it bad to question if we are in a recession? Do you, the, there's a psychological aspect to this, right? If people believe we're in a recession, People stop spending. People stop participating in the economy. People, they sit back, right? If you tell people that we're in a recession, we're all fucked, what's going to happen? Chaos. It's just going to send us further into a recession. Who does that hurt? American citizens. If we have the conviction that we're in a recession, we will be in one. That's the bottom line. So the White House is saying we need to take a more nuanced approach to this. I agree with some of the points you're stating, but I also think it's a double-edged sword. I think the way they're doing it is wrong. I think the intent they have may be right. But to say that we're not in a recession, 
is obviously like dumb, right? From well, like, we don't know yet. We'll find out tomorrow. Well, we do know because they're raising interest rates, right? They're giving out free money. Like they're trying to decrease supply and they're not doing those things for fun. They're doing it because no. they have to control, obviously, the economy. And they understand that we are going in a recession, whether we're in it or not. It's just a new phase of a recession, right? Like previous recessions were a lot easier, I guess, to identify and know that, hey, this is what's going on and here's why. This is the first time where we ever see a situation where, again, uh, you know, I was listening to the All In podcast, Chamath was talking about, hey, like this is the first time where we have a supply side recession first, right? COVID hit us. We go through a phase where all manufacturing, all businesses, all departments around the world, like these blue collar businesses stopped producing. Okay. So what does that create? That creates a supply shock. Then what you do when that supply shock is happening, you give out money for people to do what? To inflate prices and be able to bid higher on the little supply that's available in the market. Right. And then now the second stage of it, not that have like, we haven't caught up to the supply that is gone out of the market. Like you see chips, cars, manufacturing, how those, all those things are still catching up to what they used to be previous to the actual recession. But now there's pretty much rising interest rates, which are trying to kill demand, but there's not even enough supply for the demand that's out there. So it's like, okay, what is the fair balance here that we're trying to control? And I, I may have explained this a little bit wrong, but I think I got my point across here. So I think it's just a dumb move the way they went ahead about it. And I think they should have done a better job clarifying like, hey, uh, not that we're not in a recession. We do understand we're in a predicament where the economy is not at its best, but we're just looking at this recession in a different way through a different lens through X, Y, and Z. But to go back and say, uh, yeah, Two negative GDPs does not mean recession. Well, you can't say that now after we've used that specific stat line or uh, information for years before. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I hear what you're saying. And I think if we look at this, like if we take a step back and look at this from the bird's eye view, between 1960 and 2007, the world has seen 122 recessions. The last recession in the United States was in 2008. The light at the end of the tunnel here for us is that recessions don't last forever. They typically last one year, okay? And what follows a recession? A boom, a great boom in the economic growth. So in the last 12 years, we've been spoiled. Since 2008 until now, we've been seeing huge economic growth, and now that's cooling down. That's what we're seeing. It's cooling down. There are macroeconomic factors like war. There's the fucking COVID epidemic or COVID, I don't know if I can say that on YouTube, but um, there's a lot of things at play that's causing the cool down, but it was, it was inevitable. It's going to happen. Cycles, I mean, markets go in cycles. So this is just the reality of where we're at now. This is the cycle we're in. So what does this mean for crypto? Crypto and NFTs are a high risk asset. High risk assets in recessions are the first to go. First to go, because why would you have your money in a high risk asset when cash is king right now? So for our viewers, anyone listening, what I would recommend you to do is prioritize your cash and your cash flow. So if you have a job, 
Now is the best time to ask for a raise. You're seeing inflation at 9%. That means you just got a 9% pay cut. If you don't ask for a raise, you're just taking that pay cut. If you don't have a steady income right now, the labor markets are great. It's in your favor to start applying like crazy so you can lock down a cash flow for yourself. And once you've done those things, then you can start looking at investing in cryptos. And what I would do is look at research, research the cryptos and find what you think will last, what has value and put money in it now because it's at a discount and watch it boom when we hit the bull run. Yeah. And if I was to recommend one job, it would be a sales job. Really? Um, yeah, for sure. That's the first thing that I did. And uh, those skill sets are the skill sets you need to make you millions of dollars in your life. So sales, marketing, copywriting, communication is a big thing that people lack. It's like they don't even know how to talk. So uh, I would definitely look into those fields. So before we bring on our guests, we can kind of uh, transition here into this new open seed launch pad that a lot of people on Twitter have been talking about. Did you get a chance to check that out? I did not. Tell me about it. Okay, so OpenSea is trying to make money, obviously, during these hard times of the bear market. So their most creative idea was to copy Magic Eden, which is the number one Solana NFT market. And they're like, hey, you know what? Magic Eden has a launch pad where they go ahead and they market and push out NFT projects from. So let's go ahead and do the same thing. Let's talk about OpenSea. So first project they launched was called Zoonies. It took them more than two days to sell out. They released the mint at two sold. The floor's at 2.5 sold. They're up 30 bucks. Uh, not too shabby. And the thing that bothered me the most is the way they rolled it out. And again, from the research that I've done, like the website's not working at the moment. <laughs> they have saying this, like I'm looking at it right now. Two, there's no clear team on who's pushing the project or whose project this is, which again, it's fine because we've seen successful projects with no teams pull through, but it's like open team, like, come on, get your shit together, right? And then yeah. to follow up on that, like their roadmap is very, very basic and non-creative. So it's like open team. guys, come on, like, what are you doing? Like, what is your goal here with this launch pad? Like, are you just trying to make money for yourself? Are you helping creators? Are you pushing specific new creative, you know, type of NFT projects? Because from the looks of it, like right now, I take a look at it. It's like, this looks like literally a cash grab in a time when there's barely cash on the market. So it's like, why the hell are they doing this? Absolutely. And just to go off of that, I want to shit on OpenSea a little bit more. They have laid off another 20% of their workforce. Um, and they left a public note. I read it. If you guys want to go read it, it's on Twitter. I, I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to comment on the note. I just wasn't impressed by it. That's all I'll say. But what I am going to comment on is where did all of OpenSea's capital go for them to come to this? Because they were doing numbers. So what did they do with their capital? Were, were they mismanaging their capital? What's happening here? I don't understand how you can be overextended on wages. Like their, their budget, their infrastructure, like their marketing budget, like it doesn't add up to me. It really yeah, doesn't. I don't no know what you think. <laughs> they have no customer support. So that's definitely yeah. all these hacks. Their security sucks. 
And yeah, that's that's a really good question. I'm guessing my personal thing is they probably used a lot of the money they made from NFTs to buy NFTs that went to zero. So <laughs> yeah, and I mean, just to give you perspective, they had under 100 employees in January 2022 at a $13 billion evaluation. Wow. So I think a lot of what we're seeing, what like there's blood on the streets with crypto, with NFTs, and a lot of it is because these companies do not know how to manage. We're not regulated as much as we should be, or we're not regulated at all. And that's what happens when we don't have regulation. People act in bad faith. They don't manage their money well. They don't look out for anything else besides their own profit. Yeah, I think uh, probably one of the biggest lessons that I've learned or I've noticed in the last like year and a half here in crypto is a lot of the new crypto companies that were built, you either got lucky or you were in at the right time at the right place. So pretty much like the same definition. Because a lot of these companies that had so much access to capital and had so much market share that are going to zero, like we look at Voyager, like we look at, you know, 3AC, like these guys were obviously, and again, I'm kind of just taking this from my personal experiences, like these people don't have real business fundamental experiences, right? Because if you do, it's very hard for you to go from the top of the mountain to all the way to the bottom of the hill within one year, unless you do something really stupid that like, obviously you have no experience or no proper advisory uh, to guide you through decisions like that. And I think not to say OpenSea is doing that because OpenSea has been around for quite a while, but I think they need more advisory on how to move forward and improve because a lot of people in the NFT space specifically, because that's NFT marketplace are just kind of over, uh, you know, the type of things that OpenSea is doing and they're just not happy with it. So yeah, quick side note right there. No, yeah, I think this applies throughout the economy, like not just in crypto. I'm just personally, I'm of the position that I'm always skeptic of big corporations, big companies that wield a lot of power. Like, for instance, inflation, we're seeing prices go up and that's not necessarily because the supply has gone down. We've seen supply costs. And the markups that these corporations are doing on simple items is way beyond the increase in supply costs. So you have to take into account corporate greed is a huge factor in all of this. Yeah, but you do know corporate greed stems off of consumer greed, right? So they can't raise the prices unless people have more money to spend. And because there is a lot more money pumped into the market where people didn't necessarily have to work hard for it, they're okay spending the extra few bucks on the same exact item that they were getting for 20%. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You just said something very interesting. What What is this money that's being pumped into consumers? What is it, the $1,500 they got from the government? What can you do with $1,500? Tell me. What big thing can you do with $1,500 besides barely sustain yourself for another month or two? Okay, that 1500 that you're talking about is like one out of like three stimulus packages, first of all, right? Second of all- Over the course like, of two years, over the course okay, of two years. Okay. But, but keep in mind, right? There was trillions of dollars printed to give like wages to people weekly that were unemployed. Like I have friends right now that quit their job to get unemployment. They're paying out $900 a week to sit at home so what do you think those people that are getting paid $900 a week going to do? 
They're not I know, gonna... but you're talking about a minority. You're talking about a very well, small minority. This like, like this narrative that people on unemployment are lazy and lying is not true. That's a minority. That's like saying you and I are Muslim, right? That's like saying all Muslims are terrorists. That's what you're doing. It's no, a false narrative. That's completely different. We'll save this conversation. <laughs> we'll save this until later. Hello, John. You What's came up? in at I the perfect time. I came in at a time. dicey time, I guess. What's up, everyone? How are you? <laughs> What's going on, man? How are you? What's going What's up, on? Man? How nice are you? you? I'm good. I'm good. Not too bad. It's, nice uh, to meet Yeah, it's nice to be here. How are you guys doing on this fine morning? Oh, good. We're just Am chopping I- it up. We're talking about <clears throat> fucking recessions. Yikes. Talking about recessions, <laughs> open cool. seas launch. Hell yeah. All right, John. What we want to do now is, yeah, we are. What I want to do now is we're going to shift the focus to you. I want to hear about your story, your background, and your experience. So let's just get right into it. I know you very well, a good friend of mine. I know you went to University of Vermont. My question to you, how did you go from a University of Vermont grad into an NFT degen, into eventually a project <laughs> manager. Tell me about that path. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, so I went to high, actually college at UVM with a good friend of mine, Placid, who is the founder of the Sunnies. And we all kind of got together to create this, uh, this brand and what is known as the Sunnies. But prior to that, we were all just trading... Uh, NFTs, like I started in August, I think Pat started in February of 2021, I guess. And he like minted Cool Cats and things along that line. And after like Cool Cats started really popping off, he was like, guys, like you could, you could do really well in this market. And he was like, you can mint something and completely just make a, like a shit ton of money essentially. So I was like, hell yeah, I'm super down for that. So I, uh, I like joined a discord for the day and it was like creature world and I got like their like OG resident, which is like, you got a free mint essentially. And I didn't know that. And I essentially, I was actually with Parisa when this was happening and, uh, wow. and I remember. Like, yeah. So I got it for free and it turned into like, in my eyes, turned into like 4k to 10k to 15k from free. And I was like, Holy shit. What the, where, like what just happened? So ever since like that, uh, I think August or September, I I was like super obsessed with NFTs and then about four months, five months of just like studying the market and understanding what makes sense. We we were like, all right, let's try to, let's take our shot at what we think would be a cool project. And at the time, cute profile pictures were really just killing it on Twitter. Like the engagement was through the roof and there was like a big buyer, uh, there's a big market for them. And we kind of hit the nail right on the head with that because we started marketing it at what I think is the perfect time. Because we we kind of we to get ahead of myself, we minted when like the last time you could really mint and flip was. So it was it was February 29th, I think, or is that a real date? 28th. I don't know if that's a real date. 28th. 28th. So uh, like the last day of February, and I think like though we were like in the week where it was like. Uh, Wonder Pals and like Star Catchers and that, and I think like that time frame was realistically like the last time projects were able to mint and flip uh, before like everything kind of just well all the volume dissolved and whatnot. But 
Yeah. To, to, for, to not stray from the point, we, we essentially, uh, we were like, okay, so let's, let's make a cute profile picture. Like we, most of the founders are from Seattle. So we weren't, so we we're like, what are we missing in Seattle? And the first thing that comes to mind is it's pretty shitty weather. It's rainy. It's cloud coverage all the time. And you're like, all right, we're missing the sun. Like we're looking at the ocean and, but it's like shitty cloud coverage. Like we need a sun. So we're with our, uh, our artist Reed and, uh, they're all, they're all living together. And, uh, Reed just cooks up this sun real quick and they were like, oh, yeah, that's it for sure. Like, that's exactly what we need to embody. And prior to this, we like, we did try a project before this, but it just wasn't picking up and the art style was it was a little too obscure for people to really like it. So we're like, okay, that's fine. So we moved on to like Reed's next point, which was the sunny and, um, the sunny just, I, we posted a little gif of, I think he was waving and it was just, it basically just said good morning. And it got like 300 retweets or something like that. And we were like, oh, shit. All right. So there's some demand a little bit. And then we What just is kept it building. about saying good morning that makes everyone go crazy? Like, yeah, what? Well, I don't get that. It's, it's, yeah, well, people really can, uh, uh, I don't know. It's Everyone wants to have a good morning, obviously. But it's more so, it's less so of what I we said. It's also. Weird, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to. I'm going to tell you why good mornings in the Twitter space works so good is because all the guys that are on Twitter in the morning have no other person to talk to besides coming on to Twitter. So seeing good morning goes a long way. Good morning, King. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like literally hearing good morning there. from your girlfriend. Really what it is. Dude, yeah, that all right, guy, well, I agree. Be... I think Sonny's aesthetically... Yeah, I think Sunny's aesthetically is dope. Like, you guys have a great design. You guys have great colors. Like, I totally get the vision and the branding. But like you said, volume is trash right now. Volume is absolutely tanking. It's brutal out there. What are you doing for Sunny's that keeps your community so strong and so engaged? Because I see you guys on Twitter and you have such a strong community of followers. So I'm wondering, how do you keep that engagement? for sure so originally we like throughout the few months we we like promise we made a bunch of promises before and we just wanted to follow through and everything we did promise so a lot of that was giving back to our community and giving back to different sectors so what well, are we approached like who we are as like a an organization that'll give back to what we think is right so for example we uh, we associate with like uh, mental health awareness and things along that nature. So we gave 25k to like uh, NAMI Seattle to I don't know, just as like it seemed right. And then, but we also did uh, ten thousand dollars to the photographers in our community. We did like a, uh, I guess the best way you could describe it is a photography contest where we had like four hundred photographers that own Sunnies submit. Um, some of their best shots and our prize pool is like ten to fifteen thousand dollars worth of like photography equipment, MacBook Pros, things like that. And so that was just like one wow. sub small subset of, or like campaign that we did to kind of give back and and uh, grasp the attention of of some of our holders. But we we constantly are playing games, which I mean, like it seems like such a small thing, but if you're and if you have the ability to like 
seem like a human with someone that means so much and goes so far. So you could just chat and play a game or chill with someone. It does go a long way and it is a great way to start building communities. But we also did like a bunch of uh, in real life events. Uh, uh, NFTLA were there. We rented out like a back part, part of a restaurant. We did it so last minute, but it was still fun. And then New York city was a little more formal where we had a, we had a nice bar and uh, had a pretty sweet DJ and everything. And, uh, we had a bunch of our sunnies come out. So those are just like some small ways we've been doing it. But there's, as like all projects do, we have our own marketing campaigns of like uh, ideas, whether it's, um, I don't know, just we, I guess I will share. We, we're like, we're uh, going to wrap a NASCAR and our found, our co-founder is like an ex NASCAR driver. So he's oh, going to get shit. back into the, into the race. Yeah. And he's going to be driving a sunnies NASCAR. So Things like that are pretty cool, I oh. think, just to just to get like com- the community engaged and stuff and that shit. Yeah, so uh, I cats out of the bag, but it should be really cool. Uh, There's but some yeah, alpha for you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, now, now let me. Ask, yeah. I'm going to ask you a hard question here, uh, Skills. So obviously, as NFT degens, right? Because they're mm-hmm. not investors. We're not investors here. Degens. Uh, you know, looking at the floor price and what you guys have already done, right? What do you think is going to be the the big step or the big thing that you guys are going to do that's actually going to make it more interesting for people to buy into the project and obviously increase that floor price, which everybody. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm a big proponent in partnerships and I think that's what we've been kind of leveraging or trying to reach out to, to through the past few months uh, is working with, established brands in in uh, communities that would make sense, whether it's surfing, skating, things along those li- uh, lines. I think that we got to kind of cross that bridge into territories unknown and kind of meet with these, with these businesses that, uh, like I said, are established and uh, really want to get into this space, but don't really know how to. And we think we're a super friendly IP. I, we don't think we know we're a super friendly IP to these businesses. We're pretty child friendly. We're, pretty i mean there's nothing pre- too obscene we made sure we have no like smoking uh uh traits or anything along those lines that can be deemed uh i don't know as like a risk but we think we're a super friendly ip and we, we know it and we know that we like talking to these businesses we know how to leverage ourselves so that's i i know that's the next step it, i just just logically it's the next step in in our brand's uh lineage i guess Hopefully that answers your question. I think going back. Yeah, yeah, it does. Going back to, you know, how we're bleeding out in the NFT market. um, I know you told me you are working on discords. What is that exactly? I know like you're improving your skill sets. You're expanding your skill sets. Tell me about that. Yeah. So, I mean, Thank you for allowing to show my side hustle real quick. If anyone needs me, uh, needs a Discord bill. Yeah, no, I think that's super uh, <laughs> important though, because like, no, but like, it's like I think that's I, super important. I, like, we need to expand our skill sets and our side hustles. No, for sure, for sure. And I mean, I built the Sunny's Discord uh, twice, and then I just recently worked for this guy Spencer Gordon, who's a great photographer. He does. Um, he does like uh, fencing photos and stuff. So and he's at the world, 
like championship for fencing in Cairo and he's dropping a collection on it. He wanted me to build their discord. And so oh, I was wow. just do it. I think that's what you're referring to right now. And I, I helped build them out. And it's, I mean, it's, it's like a, it's, it's just a little tedious, but I, I feel like a lot of people can learn how to do it. Just got to watch a, a catalog of YouTube videos and be kind of handy with, with a computer, but it's pretty cool. And I think it's a useful skill as long as discord's around, which I mean, the sentiment seems to be people don't really want it to be around. So who knows if it's actually going to be a, yeah, a I useful mean, skill. Yeah. I have seen like a lot of discords dying out. I think like now the majority of people are just starting to live on Twitter and they're like, this is more than enough. Cause like you have all the capabilities of like the voice chat and you know, the games or at least getting creative and talking in a more organic and natural way on Twitter. I think that happened because of all, obviously, like all the bots that were happening back then and all the hacks that were happening in Discord. And people were like, you know what? It's just easier for us to stay on Twitter and see what's going on. But, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like yeah. the skill set is very important, I think, too, as well, because a lot of people just want to flip or buy and sell. But I think a lot of people sleep on the idea of like there is so much opportunity for people to come into the space and learn a skill set that can start paying you while you work from home. Like, again, Discord management, community manager, like an outreach partner, right? A moderator, uh, a marketer, like all these skill sets right now are the best things you can learn to position yourself to make more money from home through Web3, you know, in the next bull run. So it's like things you should not be sleeping on. Absolutely. And there's like a mass exodus in NFT space right now. So your competition's super low. You need to leverage your position right now. If you're still in this space, you're already ahead. So yep. learn some skill sets, become more competitive, get a competitive edge. It's going to pay off once the bull run hits. Right now, it's time to learn, develop and grow. For sure. 100%. I mean, like, yeah, I, that's a pretty interesting thing to say because i'm currently like trying to get certified as like an official project manager in like the the i guess like web 2 space as people would say so i do think that there is like these side hustle mm -hmm. things that you can be doing in these this downtime that will really kind of elevate your position wait how do you how do you get a certification for that it's just like credibility like people just talk about yeah, it's called the CAPM. You have to pass like a certification exam. Yeah. And like, uh, you have to have like 24 Wait, hours. Really? Yeah. So it's like, they're like a big, they're a big, uh, they, they, it's basically like the SATs for project managers. And there's, you have to take like 24 hours of classing or of classes. And then you could take this test. And you have to do like a bunch of hours. Oh, Dude, it's 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 actually not bad. It no, really I'm into that. I'm so into that. It looks Bro, really good. On I will resume. never go. Ah, Dude, it's fuck not bad. That. Dude, no. Dude, it's free. No, it I, sounds I have... great. I'm looking at it right now. Nah, there's no. You don't even need that. Hell you just yeah. need to build your brain on Twitter. And like, I'm mean, a project manager. I've helped X, Y, and Z products. And get yeah. certified from the actual people who are paying you. For sure. But at no, point, this is like, like smart. It's affordable. And yeah. At a point, you yeah, have to be credible. Tools, yeah. I mean, I, I do have credibility yeah. at yeah, that point, but like there's no. There's, business customers. Yeah, for sure. You're right. Like who, right. who, is, who are these who are giving you credibility? Who are these guys? These, these are so like it's basically like, like the, the up. The upper echelon of like 
how you want to get to a C-suite position is you need to have these certifications and stuff like that. So it's like for Web2, okay. I think it all transfers over to knowledge that you need in any space, whether it's like managing humans in general, building communities, figuring out the scope of any project or figuring out your budget. Because a lot of people don't know how to fucking budget their money. Like, and it's so evident. In, and in you really space. it's you need so I mean, I think that people read and self-help the, and these, books all the time that are why. Okay, it's the same argument that why do people yeah, who are pretty different. much Look, set in mind want to go to therapy? It's the same. It's the same. It's the same argument. Nah, if I'm if if I if I go to therapy, but I'm still fine. Like, what? Why go to the gym? Why do why do ripped people go to the gym? They're already done. Why do that? It's the same argument. You're constantly learning. You're constantly building. Yeah, but that, there's so a difference doing it for yourself. Okay, but all of those examples that you stated are things you would do for yourself. That I am doing this for myself. I am. Okay, this is for yourself. You're doing though. it for a piece of paper. You're doing it for a certification to tell people I'm certified. But in reality, are, like those skill sets, these are for my. This is for my brain, but it's good to know the, know. the like the jargon and shit like that too. Like, I want to be able to know if like some people are talking about like what like I don't know. Let me ch- like dependencies and like what the what the end to end time frame or whatever the hell they're talking about. I want to be like, oh shit, I know what all of this is, and oh, I could like transfer the skill to any facet of management essentially. So I, I don't think it's different than saying go to the gym. I'm already big, like you're building on uh, the brain's a muscle, the brain's a muscle and you have to bring it to the gym. And that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm learning something new that necessarily, uh, okay, you're right. I should know this shit. And I do know a lot of this shit because it's just like you, it's, it's obvious from running a, a company. Like it's obvious you learn this shit, but it is nice to know that like I to reassure yourself, like, okay, I, I do know this shit and then learn something new and be like, okay, this is how, what I can bring to the table now that this, this 24 hours of my life, which is like realistically, I'm going to end up taking it in like within like a month or two. I'm not going to really rush it. It is going to help me exponentially or potentially help, help me out. The potential there is not like the opportunity cost in my mind is not a loss of time. It's a it's a gain of knowledge. I don't know. <laughs> That's I totally way. agree with you. I see Barisa shaking her head. Yeah, no, I think he's on the money. Like we live in the United States of America where education is the number one most leveraged thing for employment. Like why not get the certification? Sure, you might already have experience. Sure, you might already know what you're talking about. But it's just an added layer of like knowing the formalities of the language of how this works in a scientific methodical manner. There's no harm in doing it. There's only upside. For for me, I've never had a job like a corporate job i've never sent i've never even made a resume besides the point and i've never really needed any type of fucking certification and tell me i'm qualified for something right now because i know through experience and if i ask people big skill sets with they know okay this guy knows how to do that so for me to say like oh you're gonna learn something from somebody about c-suiting when the person that's teaching you probably never ran a real c-suite or generated or participated in the things that you've done and this time of day is like stupid. It's like besides the point, right? It's like, bro, you can literally go say like a project manager for a company that's generated X amount of millions of dollars in X amount of time. And you've never done that. Right. And if you reflect on experience, I'm sure you can learn all the things 
that this certification is going to teach you. No, you're 100% right. And I think that that it, at the end of the day, it really does come down to what you've done, your experience, and expect, especially your connections, like who you know in this space and who you've met along the way. So I, I completely agree. I just think that it's just like sharpening my tools. Like my, I'm always going to be ready to, to move on. I mean, not move on, but move upwards in, in ranks because I, I'm, I just want to learn. It, I, I think that even if I do waste some time, eventually I'll find something that I hit the nail on the head and I'm like, shit, I could turn this into, I mean, not even monetary amount of money, but just like an empire. So we'll see. I, yeah, I definitely never think are. it's bad. I'm, I'm all in for where where do you get educated from that's that was for my sure. point right there for sure and i'm i'm trying to get it from all all everywhere i'm trying to get it from mostly people i love talking to everyone and learning what they learn especially the people that have been in the space longer than me and like I, i'll give a shout out like i i whenever i get the chance to talk to the guys from medicine labs like eight town brown and like um and uh eight uh well oh my gosh sorry auto and auto pixel uh, it's like, it's like a, a treat because they've been, they're like OGs in this space. And it's like, they're so like plentiful of knowledge that it's like a, it's like you want like a notebook talking to them every single time. But like, that's, I agree. That's probably where you got to get your real knowledge from and stuff. But in like the downtime in between, while like, like you said, volumes going dry and people are getting less and less excited about NFTs, you sh- should be sharpening your bag for when you do want to pounce on the gas, I guess. 100%. Let me ask you this question. So you were in the world. You got it for free. Where'd you sell it at? Wait, wait, I was in. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> oh, come on, brother, man. Answer this question. So you said you got it for free. You seen it. I still have 15,000. I still have my no computer. fucking. No. I roundabouted it. <laughs> I roundabouted it. Dude, I know. I I don't know. I I. It wasn't even like a money thing. I just was super thankful for Danny getting me in this space, and I looked up to him for a while. And now that I look back on eighteen thousand dollars that I could have had in my pocket, I'm like, yeah, shit, that that hurts. But I mean, it all you could have bought eighteen. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, more probably thirty six, uh, but um, it's I don't know what what I've gotten from from just learning about NFTs completely con- conquered that. Plus, I got so many whitelists from them. I got like my cool pet from them. I got my uh, World of Woman Galaxy, which the combination of all of that I sold for way more than what I would have gotten from my creature. So I, I, I was gonna be my next. Yeah, so I think that that it really didn't. I mean, pre- cool pets at the time, which I didn't sell my pet because I, I have a cat too. So I'm just like a really big fan of cool cats. But I did sell my World of Woman Galaxy for like eight grand or something like that because it was like a semi rare one. So that that brings that uh, whittles it down a little bit. So wow, so you hate women, but you love cats. <laughs> <laughs> If that's what you want to take out of it, you could, yeah, breaking Sonny's founder hates women. That's what it is. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, but I think we're touching on an interesting topic here. And I think it's a lot more about psychology than anything else is, are you a trader or an investor? And it's hard when you're an investor, when you buy an NFT, when you buy into a crypto, you don't want to believe that it's going to tank. And if it does tank, you're hopeful that it's going to go back up. And we have to constantly check in on our minds and what stories and narratives we tell ourselves, because that's what's going to make you a good investor or a bad one. Yeah, I mean, I'm I, syndrome. I don't know if you guys ever heard about this before. And I don't I don't know if it's an actual syndrome, but I've, I've read it in, a, in an article before. It's like the reasons why most traders fail like any type of investment you do is because they never want to be wrong. And that goes down to the root of every human. They never want to be wrong. So when you see your money going down, you're like, it's okay. I'm not wrong. I just need more time. And it keeps going down and down and down. And you'd rather lose, right? You'd rather take a loss than be wrong in hopes of actually having a slight chance at success. And that's why a lot of people just hold investments and nfts and coins literally to zero and i've done it before as well because i never want to be wrong mm -hmm. yeah yeah i, I feel I that like way it. right now about bitcoin no no <laughs> like i uh, i won't be wrong about bitcoin i refuse yeah you and michael saylor uh no Teresa's signaling, signaling right now that she's bought the top yeah oh no i did no, i, I did yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I, I, I did. I, it's I okay, though. I agree with that. With that, though, I just think like you need a risk tolerance in this space, and I unfortunately have I trade I like mm -hmm. I deal farm for a while, and I lost so much money in DeFi. So like my my like risk tolerance before even getting into NFTs and stuff like that was pretty through the roof because like I was I like my most. What I think, what I like refer to is I bought like this, this shit coin at like $65 or something like that. And it was just a yield coin where you make like crazy APY. And I woke up the next morning and it was 750. And I was just like, how is that even? I went to sleep and I should have set a limit. I should have set a limit, but I did. <laughs> yeah, I should have set a limit. It's just like, holy shit, I just lost 90% of my investment from just sleeping it's just ridiculous but it happens yeah, you, need, you need that tolerance yeah exactly so you learn lessons by setting limits and stuff like that and you uh you reap what you sow but i think that's a huge part of it you got to get you have to lose money if you're going to make it because you gotta you gotta really learn from it i got a i got a messed up story i want to tell right now that you just remind me of Okay, this time last year, probably last year during March, I had a roommate at the time, my boy Samir. We had just gone into like really like trading big, like big numbers, right? Like 100,000 position minimums, like on futures. And Samir at the time was like, you know what? Fuck yeah, I'm going to go big as well. So he had this one position open that probably started off as like a 50K position. And it was TRX and it kept going down, right? Coin kept going down. Obviously with leverage, when, when the money's going down, you're losing bigger amounts because you're getting closer to liquidation. So what he did is he started adding more capital into the position every time the dip happened, right? Instead of cutting his losses at a thousand or a few thousand, he kept buying more. 
And I seen him literally, right? I've literally seen him smoke his brains out in front of the screen for three days straight, hoping the decision would go up. And I like, I'm telling you, this was my roommate until he pretty much lost like close to like $50,000. Sitting in front of the computer three days straight, watching this coin go down. And then as soon as he gets liquidated, guess what happens? The rocket. It goes back up. <laughs> it goes right yep. up. <laughs> up. And higher. Higher. And oh that lesson there is like, again, crypto doesn't sleep, but you should know when to stop. You yeah, should definitely sure. know when to stop. And it's hard, yeah. a hard lesson for people. Dude, cutting your losses is almost impossible. Like it's it's almost impossible sometimes. It's like I oh I you just know that it's gonna go up right when you sell. At least that's what you tell yourself. So, I mean I I'm just waiting for someone to write a book on psychology when it comes to trading, especially NFTs, because like they're in for like a crazy whirlwind of just fucked up thoughts that constantly go. <laughs> yeah, on. yeah. NFT specific one would be interesting, but there is there's obviously a lot of books about uh, trading psychology. Um, yeah. I'm actually reading one right now. It's called Psychology yeah. of Money. This one out, Liar's Poker. Liar's Poker is actually a really interesting book. I just started reading, and uh, oh, what is it? It's about pretty much trading psychology, and like how the biggest Wall Street trading firm, which was what was it called? I forgot. Um, I'll tell you right now. Oh, the Salomon Brothers. And they were like one of the biggest firms and obviously how this one kid with no economic degree or any type of experience, pretty much. He, he was he had an art major in college, was hired to work for these guys. And I guess the story is going to tell us on like the biggest lessons that he learned as like an art major being in the biggest trading firm. So I'll keep you guys updated how it is. But it's pretty, pretty interesting, fun read so far. Oh, yeah. That, that sounds dope. Uh, okay, cool. I think I got one more idea and then we can probably start winding down here. Parisa, you should do the uh, fuck, Mary kill. Oh, no. All right. John, are you ready? Yeah, no, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. All okay, right. right. Yeah, I'm okay. ready. Fuck, Mary kill, NFT edition. You can't say like any of my friends because that would be fucked. <laughs> Okay. Right, go, go, go. Well, obviously, I'm gonna start with board apes. All right. And then, and then I'm gonna throw in rider rips, board ape knockoff. No, that's a you're... bad one. That's a bad Why? one. Why? Why? Give me like, give me like three. Yeah. Okay. 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 Board apes, punks, and clonex. Go. All right, easy. All right. Uh, I'm gonna marry punks. Absolutely marry punks. Punks is Why? my. That's my grail. That should be everyone's grail. I feel like a punk should be everyone's grail. Fuck a board ape. Uh, I would fuck an ape and then I would kill. I would kill a, a clone X. Easy. Damn. I love Marikami. Dude, I love Marikami and, and stuff, but I don't know. I, I feel like uh, punks are the easy choice. They're just like iconic in every facet. Uh, and then it would be nice to be fucking a piece worth uh, that's not bad. So, yeah, honestly, it's not, that's not a bad decision. I think uh, those three right there were good. I think, uh, yeah, I would probably do the same if I was you for sure. Based, no, I would, probably, I probably. I would fuck a clone X. I probably would have kept the ape. I probably would have kept the ape to be honest. Really? Because the really? apes, yeah, because the the apes would have generated you a lot more money. 
than yeah. uh, the punks. For sure. At least as for a sure. So. I think, yeah, for sure. I think the punk, I was thinking more terms of like, it's like you're owning a piece of history in my mind. So that would be really fucking cool. It would be, I feel like eventually you could, like someone's going to have a painting of that up on their wall and just be like, this is mine. Definitely. Yeah, or some yeah, shit sure. like that. So I very, totally see yeah. that. Yeah. Well, that was, I don't know. That was good. I think that was an apes. easy one. That was an easy one. Yeah. I- yeah, that was. You gotta make it more hard. It's our first time, so we'll uh, we'll sauce it up for the next one. Hell yeah! All right, Hell cool. Breeze, yeah. anything else you want to touch on? Yeah. Okay. Last question. I think this would be helpful for our listeners because you you guys are both you were you developed an NFT project. You've seen the back end of it. You understand what makes a project good, what makes a project bad. Let's talk about red flags that you see right now in projects that tell you it's going to be a bad one. It's going to be a rug. Just things that people should look out for. Yeah. Um, if you see, I'm not going to name names, but if you see certain people tweeting about projects, that's usually a red flag. So you can just do your own research. Like influencers? Uh, yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Uh, if you see it being You rushed, can name like, names. No, 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 no. Uh, if you see it being rushed, like, just if they started marketing a week ago and they're already minting, I think that's a pretty big red flag in my mind. Um, I mean, it's pretty obvious to tell which Twitter are being botted and whatnot. They come out of nowhere with a post that the it just doesn't make sense why they would get this many likes or retweets that usually doesn't make sense. So those are always red flags. Uh a lot of projects minting right now are just red flags because it's a weird market to be minting in. And I mean, if they, especially if they don't have like, you just have to do your due diligence and be on Twitter and see who are active and see who are actually like trying to make an effort. And then if you do that, then mint, mint away, but be wary. You're probably going to lose money on every single mint you do right now. So that's what, that's what my two cents would be. <laughs> Yeah, I would say the same thing. If you're looking to buy NFTs right now, just don't. They're all a scam. (laughs) But if you're looking to buy NFTs right now, I'd be very careful because 99% of them are scams. And if you were to buy one, I would look at wallet holders and who else is buying. And that would literally be the only thing that I'm looking at is what wallets are buying this. And then from there, make some more research and due diligence about, okay, why would they be buying this? And does it make sense for me to do the same? But if not... I've been very picky. Like, again, like six, eight months ago, I was literally buying anything and everything. Now it's like, I'll monitor, I'll take a look, but I'll barely buy. Yeah, man, I, I, I haven't minted anything in, in months. So I think it's it's very tough time for projects because there's a lot of pro- great projects coming out right now that are trying to mint out and it's just really hard for them. And I think it is a, a good sign when projects are having a slow mint and continually trying to mint out just shows their dedication to their, their project. And I think it's a green flag if anything. So, I mean, there's amazing projects and these projects do mint out like shout out to the randoms. They're a fucking amazing project. They had a slow mint out process, but they minted out all of them in the middle of a bear market and their, their team is awesome. And I, I fucking love them to, to the end of time. But, uh, so it's not all projects, like like you said, not but like 99 percent of projects right now are going to have a really tough time minting out or even 
following through on anything they say. So, agreed. Yeah, agreed. Cool. Uh, depressing times. No, yeah, definitely uh, depressing cool. times. Skills, thank you so much for being on. It was a uh, pleasure guys. talking it up here with you. Um, for make sure, sure to guys. Check out Skills. We'll leave Twitter link below. And uh, yeah, check we'll out the Sunnies. Hell yeah. Yeah. Check, out the sunnies. yeah, check out our race car. We'll be out soon. <laughs> sunnies NASCAR team. Let's go. Let's go. Fuck right. yeah. Peace, guys. Right. Peace, peace, peace. peace Bye.